friends. Welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast. I'm Janae Muha, your host. I'm continuing the conversations had with cheesemakers from the beginning of the pandemic to get an update on how things have changed a year in. Wisconsin is the largest producer of cheese in the United States, but that doesn't mean that every producer there is big. On today's episode, I chat with Anna Thomas Bates from Landmark Creamery about what it means to be a small producer in a state filled with cheese. Landmark Creamery is owned by two Annas, Anna Landmark and Anna Thomas Bates. Their business model differs from many Wisconsin cheesemakers, mostly because they chose sheep milk as the basis for their products, though they do make some cow's milk cheese. Their proximity to larger producers is often valuable, but also shines a light on their limitations in so many ways. While the pandemic affected them, like many other producers, they had to contend with retail sales being affected since they also have a shop that sells cheese and other fine goods. How were they able to balance making cheese and running a shop? Anna digs deep, so let's get all the details. I am Anna Thomas Bates. I am one of the co-owners of Landmark Creamery in Madison, Wisconsin, actually just south of Madison, Wisconsin. I own the company with my friend Anna Landmark, so two Annas, and we've been making cheese for, oh, like seven years now. Um, We have started off very nomadic, so we rent space at Cedar Grove and use their vat in the back, and that we still do. And when we first started, we were aging in one space, another space, and then and we had a warehouse in another space. So it was quite the uh, ordeal to get orders shipped out and get things delivered and packed up and wrapped. Now we have our own spot in Paoli and that's where our curing rooms are. And we also have a little shop up front and we specialize in primarily sheep milk cheese. All of the milk comes from one family farm that's about an hour away. And we do several different kinds of cheese from fresh to aged. So let's look back to last year and can you tell me kind of how the pandemic hit you guys um, and what happened with your sales and production? Just kind of give me a rundown. I don't remember when we did the last interview. Um, was it in summertime? Had we like no, it, it was the end of April, beginning of May. So it was like one one month into the pandemic, essentially, when everybody's sales just completely dropped off, essentially. Yeah. So we were definitely in that boat. Um, by mid-March, our wholesale had almost completely disappeared. Um, I'm sure you've heard this when you send things off to distributors, you don't always know where they go. So we very quickly found out that almost everything was going to restaurants. Um, After a little while, independent shops picked up, back up a little bit, um, but our wholesale really is just now starting to come back a little bit. And unfortunately I haven't had time to dig in through and get any percentages. So what we did is right away on March 14th, we launched um, a local delivery. At that time, we didn't know if farmers were going to have markets or outlets for their goods. And a lot of them sell to restaurants as well. So we teamed up with local vegetable growers, livestock farmers, um, egg producers, all sorts of things. And basically, you know, with our existing online platform, we were able to launch um, a basically a local delivery service. And we were doing that twice a week initially. And really for March, April, and May, we did 
bonkers business and it saved us. Um, it has since dropped way, way off. And we're still doing just a few deliveries a week because why not? Because we don't have the staff to open the shop more than on the weekends, which is another issue right now. So this year's strategy, um, so we survived last year when we actually did fairly, we did well enough those three months that we actually made a little bit of money last year, which was great, but also makes us not qualify for any of the relief programs that have come out. So it's kind of frustrating because we, you know, really thought creatively and really hustled and survived, but now we're basically starting with, you know, very little cash reserve um, to go, which is, makes it difficult to make cheese because when you make cheese, you pay a lot of money up front and then you don't get that money back for however long it takes to sell that cheese. Um, and while we're getting a higher margin on all these direct sales, it's a lot more labor. So it kind of erases that margin. If you've heard, you know, Zoe from Jasper Hill give her talk at ACS, you know, she kind of explains that really eloquently how, you know, it really does make sense to sell wholesale, ship out whole wheels at a time as opposed to cutting one wheel up in 25 pieces and selling it to a whole bunch of people. So yeah, it's basically our strategy this year is to keep a good percentage of those direct retail um, business that we're doing. And we're doing that through special events and we're doing more markets than we've done in a long time. When we opened the shop three years ago, we stopped doing markets because it made more sense for us to be at the shop. It was more efficient. We were getting the traffic um, and it just, yeah, flowed better. But since we're only have the staff to have the shop open on the weekends, we're doing three markets a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday, and trying to kind of keep our our revenue up that way as we kind of slowly see the, the wholesale numbers climb. Um, I have one distributor back and then locally and kind of, you know, people we sell direct to in Wisconsin and Minnesota, those are doing well, but we haven't seen um, our California and New York people come back yet um, to us. And I know everyone's had to change their supply chain and everything like that. So yeah, we're kind of hoping to kind of hit the middle this year and do, you know, keep 75% of our direct retail business and hopefully wholesale will come back, um, you know, at least 50 to 60% as well. So that's kind of what we're hoping for. Did you take a break in making cheese at all throughout that time or were you continuing to do that too? So we were lucky in that we um, are not a patron of any, the farm, the farm that we buy milk from sells to several different cheesemakers. So we're able to make cheese when we need to. So we didn't take a break from making cheese, but we definitely made less cheese. Um, yeah, we made it less frequently by at least probably half. Um, so yeah, so that actually worked to our benefit because we could really, you know, look at our cash flow and just, you know, kind of project out a little bit, which was actually really difficult to do, but we tried our best. And, you know, when we thought we were going to run low on something, we, we made it. The one thing that I liked about our style of business last year is that we were able to do a few more experiments or make one-off cheeses and just kind of see how they went which was fun. So we, uh, new cheese came out of the pandemic, a uh, uh, Telegio style with sheet milk that we're making now. We haven't officially 
given it a name yet, um, but we've just started to, we definitely sell it direct to customers a lot and it's been very popular and we've sold it to a few shops. Um, the Rind in um, Ohio has it and a few others. So we've kept it pretty small, but yeah, but that's been fun because it really gave us time to kind of do those experiments and tinker with the recipe and the aging process and the washing. And we always had an outlet for it. Whereas with distributors, it's very difficult to, to do that. So that was one benefit. That's fun. Yeah. We love new cheese and especially just getting the time to experiment. That's, you know, not something you normally have during the year. Right. <laughs> How did the community come out for you guys when, um, obviously they were all in for the delivery service and did you see a big uptick in the shop and tell me about the shop a little bit did you do e-commerce out of there or were you just kind of sticking with the local delivery we did um the actual physical shop we shut down for really the whole spring and summer we opened back up on the weekends in i think september um about that time. And we changed it quite a bit. We moved out all the tables. We do very simple prepared foods, cheese boards and grilled cheeses. So when we started making those again, but we made everything to go. We didn't want people lingering or hanging around. Um, so we definitely did less business in that arena, especially when it got cold. You know, some people would still come pick up a grilled cheese sandwich to go, but other people who were in town and just wanted to eat it there, it was not very pleasant outside for the better part of of um, the winter. We did definitely had an increase in our e-commerce, especially around the holidays. You know, we always do okay then, but we did very much okay. And a lot of that was we had a few um, corporate orders um, locally. So we did boxes for Promega's employees, which is a very large um, company in town, Sitka Salmon, um, and a few others and um, one of the large, the Democratic National Committee. So we did, we had some really nice big corporate orders, which was really cool. And it kept us very busy. And it was kind of nice to have the shop shut down during the week because we don't have a great shipping space. So this allowed us to use that space to kind of ship a little bit more efficiently. So that was helpful. So that kept us afloat as well. So the local deliveries in March, April, and May, and then um, November, December, and even into January. And that's been more of a trend. Um, the corporate folks sending out boxes more in January, which is, is nice to kind of space it out. That makes sense. I mean, getting a, getting a gift in January is always kind of nice. Cause you're like, Oh, the holidays are over. No, it's not. Here's uh, a nice yeah. gift. <laughs> yeah. Cause before, before the pandemic, we were seeing that a lot of the, the corporations were having their holiday parties after December. So they just kind of kept that with their employee gifts, which was, which was great or their client gifts. Um, yeah. And we, we definitely changed what we carry in the shop too. That was another switch. So the cheese case didn't change a lot. We still have, you know, the kind of foundation of it is our cheeses. And then we bring in um, some of our favorite Wisconsin producers. And then we bring in things from out of state, things that you can't find in Wisconsin or people that we just really appreciate as, as makers. So the cheese case stayed pretty, pretty steady. But yeah, we brought in a lot of other fun stuff because um, it got to the point where there was a lot of competi com competing local delivery services. 
And it got to the point where we're all kind of selling the same things, except for those who are heavier with prepared food, which we didn't get into. But we all had quince and apple jam and we all had Potter's crackers and we all had um, you know, the same spice nuts, which are great. They're all wonderful products, but it kind of all started to look the same. So we actually started bringing in small producers from wherever we wanted. So we brought in a fun um, kind of adaptogenic coffee alternative from Colorado and, you know, some chili crisp and, you know, fun things like that. So we, we kept the businesses small and a lot of them were women owned. Um, but yeah, just kind of change up the, the shop profile a little bit and get some more business. And we shipped a lot of that. And we shipped a lot of string cheese from Caesar. <laughs> There's people in New York and California who will order like 20 string cheeses at a time. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I mean, string cheese, it's delicious. It's yeah, and that one's especially good, so. Let's talk about this year then, like how is, um, where are y'all at besides the farmer's markets? Um, what, what are you kind of planning for the summer? Yeah, it's, it's kind of going as I thought it would. It's been very difficult to do projections and make decisions, but I basically was kind of banking on the fact that wholesale would come back very slowly, um, I think if you weren't in a position to do pre-cuts or switch to kind of a pre-cut situation, I think some people who newly switched to pre-cuts last year did really well and had a really, really good years if they were able to, to do that. We just weren't in that position at all. So we were not able to take advantage of um, selling to additional grocery stores or Costco or Trader Joe's or anything like that. So we really, really honed in on you know, the direct retail delivery. Um, and we're still not in a position to do pre-cuts like that. I do small batches for, for local shops and stores, but we, you know, have a, a vac sealer that does like six pieces at a time. So it's, um, yeah, I'll just do a couple, a few cases at a time. We did just put in for a grant that we're hoping to hear back from very soon. And the big thing with that is a cup sealer which would allow us to sell our fresh cheese and expand our fresh line and actually sell that to out to grocery stores. So fingers crossed that would be huge because those, you know, a decent sized one of those is, you know, over $30,000, you know, so without, without help, it just is not possible. It's tricky to plan those things because you need to make those investments, but then you have to build up the business to get your return on your investment. So it's, it's tricky for a company of our size to do something like that. So, so we'll see what happens there, but you know, whether or not that happens, we're still just focusing on um, e-commerce, the markets. We've done a lot of collaborations last year that we're continuing with um, local breweries and um, wine shops and places like that. We actually sell our cheese pre-cuts to the other local delivery services. Um, so we get our cheese into people's hands that way as well. And then I'm just trying to communicate frequently with the independent shops around the country and the distributors to kind of gauge, you know, are people gonna bring us back? What are they, what are they thinking? Um, and a lot of it for us depends on restaurants. And while they are opening up, I think they're in a similar position to us where they're very cash strapped after last year. And so they're very carefully, um, you know, choosing the products for their menu and more expensive cheeses that are very low margin for them are not, you know, are not at the top of their list, understandably. Um, but yeah, I think people are going to be very anxious 
to get outside, at least they definitely are here in Wisconsin, are all of our requirements and mandates expired yesterday. So, and we also had beautiful weather. So if you drive through town, you know, patios are full, everyone's walking around the Capitol. It looks very normal. So I'm hoping as, you know, restaurants start to get full dining rooms that we'll start to see, you know, an uptick in our wholesale cheese sales is the, that's the hope. Yeah. You bring up a good point about the packaging. I think that people, I think I saw this sentiment a lot at the beginning of the pandemic where people were like, well, if you can have 20 pound bags of flour, why can't you just turn those into five pound bags? You know, when flour was like non-existent. And I don't think that many people really understand what it takes to go from a big vat of milk to tiny little cups of cheese. Like that's a lot of work in between all of that. Uh, So thank you for bringing that up and just kind of being real about the cost of that, because it's a, it's a, it's a big number for a very small company, even just for a better vax dealer is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And pre-cuts is the same way. We're lucky in Wisconsin that there's a lot of converters, people who will, you know, take whole pieces, you know, 40 pound blocks or 10 pound wheels, more 40 pound blocks though, and cut them down and package them for you. But they like, they want big amounts of cheese. You know, it's hard for us to find one that will do, you know, 500 pounds and also fewer of them do the 10 pound wheels, um, which is the format that we make most often. So yeah, it's tricky. If you can't do it in house, um, you know, you've got to find someone else to do it. And outside of Wisconsin, I'm sure that's very difficult. We're just in a state where those people exist. So if you have the volume of cheese and, you know, the way to transport it, it works, but yeah, packaging is, is tricky. I mean, even I think Jasper Hill and like Central Coast, they both got new uh, cheese cutting implements to start doing their pre-cuts and whatnot. And they're both companies that can afford to, I mean, it still isn't great for them to have to put that money out for that, but at the same time, they have the money to be able to do that. So uh, for a much smaller company, that's just inaccessible in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. So the combination of being mostly restaurants and not being able to, you know, capitalize on that kind of the grocery store boom for cooking ingredients was, was tricky. So luckily we had the local delivery, which kind of made up that, that space of revenue for us. Any thoughts about the upcoming holidays? I know they're still, it still seems so far away, but at the same time, you know, as a retail person, we're usually already starting to think about those sort of things. Yeah. We, um, Yeah. Also in the grant, we put in a little bit of money for potentially getting kind of a social media consultant to help us with the magic of Instagram. You know, we do, we, we post on Instagram and Facebook and we try to do it regularly, but yeah, there's, there's some settings and algorithms that I think you need an expert to help you. Like I want, I want, I want, I want the technology where someone just says cheese you know, near their phone. And then when they pick it up, you know, some, our beautiful landmark creamery ad comes up on Instagram. I don't know how to do that. I feel like that's what actually happens, but I don't know how to make it happen for us. So we're trying to think of um, ways to get the word out. We definitely want to do a big, big shipping season. Um, And so the two things that we're thinking about now and starting to plan for now is promotion. um, What will our product mix look like? Um, we're in a trickier spot and a better spot because we have so many products that we bring in, you know, people can really 
customize a box and have a lot to choose from. The downside is we never quite know, you know, people definitely will pick a gift box. And if they pick one of the gift boxes we have set up, we know what size box it goes into, we know how to ship it. But then some people will throw in, oh, and then throw in 10 Caesar string cheese. So it's tricky for us to have um, the right package mix. So we're thinking through that. Do we want to do that the same way? Do we want to do it differently? How can we be more efficient? And then also ordering in bulk for shipping materials is really key because shipping materials are really expensive. Luckily in the winter, um, it's less so because we're not doing quite as much ice and insulated packaging. But actually that's not even true because we do send a fair amount of stuff to California and Florida. So we're still having to plan for that. So yeah, we're starting to think what is the product mix gonna look like and how can we really be more efficient with our shipping, the space, um, keeping costs down by buying you know, large amounts of, of stuff at a time. You know, we've talked in the past with other small producers near us about going in on pallets of you know, ice packs and boxes. So that's something we'll need to start thinking about right away too. Crinkle paper, I mean, the, yeah, shipping is, is about as, not as expensive as a large packaging equipment, but it's about the same amount as complicated. And you've probably talked about this with other people, but shipping rates are a whole other deal because they're negotiated. So, you know, while we will, it'll cost us $40 to send something two day or overnight, it costs someone like Murray's probably half that much or even less because they have such a large shipping volume. They've negotiated really great rates, but it's tricky to negotiate those rates until you have the shipping volume. So it's very chicken and the egg and it, it's tricky, especially since the consumers are so used to free shipping. So another way to do it is to kind of build the cost of shipping into the actual price of the box and make shipping look like it's less, but no one's making money on shipping between all the packaging and what the rates are. So it's tricky. And last year, the carriers were kind of a disaster. So the post office, we totally gave up on. Um, and we had a lot of issues with FedEx too. So we kind of went solely UPS because it just got really difficult. And then you're resending things and refunding things and you start to lose money. It's, it's easy to start to lose money and lose your margin quickly with shipping if you're not careful. I'm glad you brought up the negotiations because, I mean, people have definitely expressed the frustration around the cost of shipping, but never really like kind of pinpointed like, here's one of the reasons why this is so frustrating. Yeah. Because if you are a bigger company and you have that ability to negotiate, then yeah, you're going to pay less in shipping. So yep. And everybody does have that expectation of like, well, if I can order things from Amazon Prime in two days, yeah. like everything yeah. should be free. It's fine. It's like, no, not actually. Shipping is really yeah. expensive. Shipping so. is expensive and the packaging, man, it's, it is expensive. So if you have anything insulated, that insulated liner is expensive and ice packs. It's just the whole thing is, is expensive. Are you in the the realm of making your fresh cheeses now? Yeah, so we have been making cheese since February. And we made cheese fairly late. So we we're making a lot less frequently, but the, um, the dairy we work with has a fair volume of sheep and they milk for a long time. And I think they're um, looking to go year round eventually. So yeah, we've been making our fresh brebby for a while. We're still not making our petite nuage, the little cute buttons. Um, we talk about it. We'd like to, 
we hope they're not gone forever, but right now it's still not efficient or um, cost-effective for us to make those. Although we've thought about doing just a few, a few batches this summer just to sell in all of our direct outlets because every single week people ask me for it. <laughs> so can you talk about what makes uh, that cheese in particular? Sure. So, so effective. Yeah. Petit Nuage is an adorable little fresh cheese and each one is in a little one ounce mold. And we have a um, block mold that has 54 cups in it. So we make the cheese, we hand scoop the curd into those 54 little cups and then trays and trays and trays of those. It drains for several hours and then we flip each cup. <laughs> we flip each cheese and put it back in and let it drain some more. And then we flip each one out into a tub where we can then salt them properly and then package them up. So each one of those little, you know, one ounce buttons gets touched, you know, three times which is a lot. And there is equipment that would allow us instead of touching each cup to do it more as a block. Um, and we've, we've calculated those costs and we, that's what we need to do is buy that extra equipment to make it more efficient to flip everything in one kind of go as opposed to each tiny piece of cheese. So, And then there's also the washing of all of those too, because you have to get within all of the little crooks and yes. crannies of those little cups and Thank you for bringing that up that is incredibly because they're they're made to be disposable but the idea of that is painful to us because that's so much plastic um, and they can be washed but it does take some time so we have a special acid wash and it goes into a big big sink and then soaks for a while and literally you're picking each cup up and swishing it swishing it and if you let it soak long enough, hopefully you're not having to brush the little cup because it's just a little basket mold. So there's little lines in it um, and lots of nooks and crannies. So yeah, washing them is a is also a big ordeal. <laughs> but they're adorable and people love them and they taste amazing. So yeah, if we can get some different equipment um, where we're not using disposable cups, but it's all kind of one big piece, then it would definitely be more doable, which is how, you know, a lot of the little breeze and camemberts are done, you know, they're in big block holes. So that's what we'd be looking for. Well, I think that that's also something too, that people started shifting to smaller format sizes. Um, mm -hmm. And that is a part of a conversation that people don't understand. You know, they do want to buy those smaller pieces, but they don't understand what it actually takes to make those smaller pieces. No, we get asked for smaller wheels all the time. People would love to see like a little, you know, petite Basque um, size cheese for some of our, our current styles. Um, but A, those molds are very expensive. Um, you know, the even smaller wheel molds can be like 60 a piece. And then, you know, you're, we're talking about making, you know, a hundred of those in a batch or, whatever, but then the trickier part is a press. Then you have to also have a press that fits that size mold. And right now we really only have access to a press that does our 10 pound um, Cadova molds. So, so that's tricky. And then with the fresh ones, also the other thing is packaging because without the ability to do, um, you know, a little nitrous to push out the oxygen and then seal that, the Petit Nuage still had a limited you know, we would send stuff up to Minneapolis and Chicago, but, you know, every once in a while, you know, we things would mold and we'd have to replace stuff. So, so yeah, packaging for that, that cheese is also something we would need different equipment for. Right. 
I mean, that's the thing that people don't understand all those little bits that it takes to, you know, things that bigger companies like Vermont Creamery can perfect their packaging for Bijou, but they have the money to really put the time and energy into doing that. So is there anything about Landmark Creamery that you really need people to know or something that we haven't touched on? No, I think, you know, everyone was really great. I sent a lot of, you know, gift boxes to people I knew, which was a lot of fun. Um, I always put in something extra if I know you and I'm the one doing the packaging. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we just, we appreciate people, um, the independent shops bringing us in from around the country. You know, we're very flexible and work with people on shipping directly. So you don't necessarily have to go through a distributor. And yeah, and we are happy to sell. We do sell other people's cheeses. So we like to to work with all those other customers and love collaborations. So yeah, we're just gonna keep on keeping on like everybody else and trying to help people where we can. And it all comes back around and we had a lot of people help us out in the past year too. So so yeah, I feel feeling positive. That's good. I'm glad this this year has been a much nicer conversation than last year when everybody was like, what the hell's happening? I don't know. Yeah, what's going we were on. very shocked. Um, and it's, it's definitely still tricky foremost. Cause I think a lot of people are just exhausted. You know, we're tired from all the new things and the struggles from last year. So we're kind of starting off, like I said, with a, a depleted bank account, but also kind of depleted energy reserves. So um, yeah, we kind of are just, bucking up and especially since we're still doing all these markets which are fun but they get they take a lot out of you doing you know two or three markets a week so yeah we're hoping to get some employees so if anyone locally wants you know a few hours a week in a shop or at a market that would be great Um, because then we could open up a little bit more and do a few other things but we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah I think well I was talking with sweetgrass and Jessica brought up the fact that normally for Q4 you're you've been prepping for it you know it's going to be like there's an end time to that craziness and there hasn't been this year for those that have been on the front lines they've just been hustling and working all year so yeah it's it's rough (laughs) yeah and the one downside is in the beginning of the pandemic people were customers were very forgiving if things were late or they came in not the greatest shape and you had to replace them um and i think customers and i've heard this from restaurants too are have kind of they're, they're expecting things to be back to normal so they um a little bit less kind of flexibility and forgiveness so you know, customers can keep that up. That's appreciated because it's still, it's still a struggle for everybody. So. I think it's easy to romanticize cheesemaking in so many ways. And I really appreciated Anna's frankness in talking about the direct numbers so we can see what the reality of running even a small creamery can be. It takes a lot of quick thinking and dishwashing. Two things not everyone is cut out for. Big thanks to Anna for taking the time out to discuss the less pretty side of cheese. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha, with a supporting feature role by my husband, Ben Muha, contributing on editing and music. To support the show, please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. 
There you'll find a full video recording of the conversation, discount codes for merch at my online shop, get a sneak peek at the next guest, and even submit questions for future episodes. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curd. Thank you.